Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Welcome to the Andy Staples Show and Friends Podcast feed, the flagship college football podcast at The Athletic. Thank you for joining us. As always, I'm joined by my great friend, Max Olson, senior college football writer at The Athletic, who debuted Stop Rate today. We're certainly appreciative of your services today, Max. I'm Sam Khan, uh, senior college football writer at The Athletic, also known as the tech expert. But uh, seriously, I'm really, really happy Stop Rate came out today. Are I mean, you I don't know. I, I think thank you for your services a little strong, but I appreciate the sentiment. Um <laughs> It's good to have it back. I, I, it was funny. I started getting like a lot of texts and DMS from coaches and like even high school coaches and stuff who were like, where's stop rate? Where's that? And it's like, okay, all right, time to bring it back. You know, I'm just I waiting for like, you up. I'm just waiting for like the dozens of people who care about it to uh, say, where is it? <laughs> and uh, so no, we've got, we've got that back Minnesota number one right now, um, which is interesting because they've got some tough games ahead here. Um, lots of big 10 in the top 10. Some would say that's because of the offenses in the Big Ten. Some might be <laughs> Iowa. Right. <laughs> You're right. Um, and Iowa State, in terms of the Big 12 schools, surprising to see them in the top ten. Uh, they've struggled on offense, but but certainly not on defense, uh, as the as that rock fight with K State showed over the weekend. Um, what uh, what stood out to you on the the stop rate standings? Yeah, uh, I the first thing I went was I looked at my alma mater, which is mm. Houston, which finished eighth last year in, in stop sure rate. Very good. And last year. we we spent all offseason talking about how good Houston's defense was going to be, and they are a hundred and eighth right now. So ouch, which seems that, low. That is very bad. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and and they've had so, they've had some injuries. They've been without some starters. Derek Parrish, their their best defensive player, is out for the year with I believe a bicep injury. So that that hurts. But they've got a lot of talent. So. I'm not necessarily shocked because of how they have struggled to stop people, especially late in games. Mm-hmm. Uh, Texas A&M is 41st, which is interesting to me there. They were obviously a lot higher last year, but you knew it was going to be a transition with some of the young talent. And then, right. of course, the, the one I went to look for, and they're not as low as I thought they'd be, is Oklahoma. Because <laughs> <laughs> Oklahoma is yeah. 65th, but yeah, you broke and, it and- down. Well, yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's basically, that's, that's like 65th is like kind of playing the average they, averages <laughs> there, right? Because over the first three games, the stop rate was 84%, which was 17th best in the country. Over the, the, the three Big 12 games they've played, stop rate is 48%, which is uh, 123rd in the country. And I, I know what you're thinking. Well, shouldn't that stop rate be like 28% or so based on how, what we've seen from Oklahoma? And, you know, Sam, it's the damnedest thing for whatever reason, Oklahoma's getting a few more stops in the second half against the backups. <laughs> oh, I didn't think about that. Yeah. So it's not when as awful as it clock, should be yeah. because, yeah. and I, you know, obviously it'd be good to filter out garbage time and all that stuff. We try to kind of capture the whole season, but um, yeah, Oklahoma's <laughs> defense is, you know, figuring some things out against the second and third string guys. So that's, that's encouraging. 
Well, and they also like last week in Red River, they got a stop because of a missed field goal, a long missed field goal that would have made it fifty-two nothing Texas instead of forty-nine nothing. Yes, it so, did. I, I was look, going through all the numbers on this Oklahoma. I'd like to talk to you about Oklahoma because you got to see them up close. Oklahoma's uh, giving up uh, two hundred and forty yards per game this season on first down. On first down. <laughs> on first down. Oh my gosh. That's bad. And there's 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 more than there's more than one down. Uh, that's that's pretty. It's pretty bad. That's one of the worst. There's in the four country. downs in the game. Two hundred forty yeah. a game on first down only. On first down. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's a really lot. Bad. So what did you like? You know, I, I was in Lawrence watching an absolute thriller um, between Kansas and TCU. One of those classic games where you don't really have anything typed on your, your word document when you go down to the field, because you're not sure even which side of the game you're writing mm-hmm. about when it's over, you don't know who's going to win real fun game, uh, real fun atmosphere. Um, just super cool experience. I, so I only got to like catch bits and pieces of red river on my iPad, Sam. What was it like watching that, uh, watching that slaughter live? <laughs> it was, it was certainly beyond any of my expectations because you know how this game is. It's a rivalry game. It's And it's one of those games. We talked about it last week about the scenarios where wounded teams have come in and shot yeah. the, the favorite. And so you braced for that because you just never knew. But it became clear probably definitely in the first half, maybe by the end of the quarter, that – this was just not going to go well for, for Oklahoma and, and particularly because their defense is really poor, but they couldn't get anything done offensively with Davis Bevel out there. The only thing that really worked was the wildcat. And I found myself thinking every time they didn't run the wildcat, why aren't you running the wildcat? Because this is mm-hmm. the one thing you're moving the ball with. Mm-hmm. And so it, it was with, just with the exception un- of the, the jump pass that, that you don't need to run. Not that was not that was not the greatest decision, which yeah. handed them probably their best chance to their best chance to score. They probably, yeah. you know, pissed it away right there. So I was just stunned to see that team, which we saw, which was on the cusp of getting to the Big Twelve Championship game last year, that has been the standard of this conference, to be that bad. I mean, they were when you look at the numbers and just how badly they got dominated, it was like as if Texas beat an FCS team. That's how bad Oklahoma was. And I, I just, uh, it, it's just stunning to me to see that fall be that steep that quickly, especially with a coach who I thought when they hired him, I think Venables made a whole hell of a lot of sense. And sure. it seemed to me like a, you know, it wasn't necessarily going to be a plug and play because you've got an offensive minded guy who left and you got to bring in a defensive mind, but he's been there, longtime coordinator, really excellent coordinator at the college level. And you just figured with his knowledge and his time already in Norman in the past, his recruiting prowess, he's, he's done a really good job recruiting. And, and obviously, we'll, we'll have to see how that plays out in the coming years. But you, I just figured they would be a lot ahead of schedule. We were Max, you and I were talking earlier this year about Dylan Gabriel, and obviously he didn't play because of concussion, but we are talking about Dylan Gabriel being potentially the first team All-Big 12 quarterback this year. And now you're looking at a team yeah. that right now is worse, worse than the conference, you know, or the bottom of the conference in the standings. And so... It has been a stunning fall. The other thing that really stunned me is that the quarterback situation that they're in is that without Gabriel, that they're in such dire straits at that position. Yeah, absolutely. And you mentioned, you know, it's not a, a, you're not necessarily a plug and play. And I think that I don't think Brent Venables wanted it that way either. I don't, I don't think he wanted to come in and just kind of do things the way Lincoln Riley was doing them. And I think we're kind of seeing that a little bit. Um, 
it's in talking with other Big 12 coaches who've played them, I, I think the thing that stood out to them is just when you you watch them live, you're like, man, this is a really beat up team. This is a really worn out team. And we're in mid-October. I, and it leads to kind of the conclusion of like, are they just like practicing way too hard during the week? Like what are, what are they doing from a preparation standpoint to where they look like this in the middle of the season? Um, and that I, I don't have all the answers on, but it's certainly standing out to people who, who play them. I, I think that in talking with Brent Venables this summer about what he saw for year one, he talks a, a ton about culture and the foundation and all the ways that he wants to do things. And I think it, it, it looks to me like a coach that needs to kind of calibrate his approach, um, which, which happens all the time is for a first year head coach um, and, and can be the downfall of a lot of them is when you kind of think you're going to do things a certain way. And you know, the effect is not, you're not getting the intended effect there. Right. That's certainly not the case right now with Oklahoma. And, um, you know, I think certainly like if you plug Dylan Gabriel back in the lineup this week, when they play Kansas, um, a Kansas team that's missing Jalen Daniels, I, like, yeah, maybe offensively, maybe they'll be okay. Maybe, I mean, Dylan Gabriel hasn't been the best quarterback in the big 12 when he's been healthy. Um, he's got stuff to clean up for sure. Um, but you're right. The, the, the quarterback situation is pretty stunning um and i and you know how it happened it mm -hmm. happened because uh spencer rattler went to south carolina and caleb williams went to usc and the, the chandler the morris went the, to tcu right that's right um chandler morris went to tcu tanner mordecai went tanner to mordecai is at smu sure um that's that's part of the why and then you know they had to rebuild the quarterback room completely this offseason and you know, clearly where they came up short and maybe this is just th th this, this was the circumstances, but you know, Davis Bevel's a guy they took after the spring. Obviously they don't have any confidence in him. Um, Nick Evers is a guy they took right before the early signing period. You know, doesn't seem like he's at a point in his career where they're ready to put him out there. And general booty is a guy they took also after the spring and, and clearly don't have a lot of trust in either. And so the, the problem is, um, Sam, how many games did Dylan Gabriel play last season? He played Not very many because he got he played he got three. hurt very early in the year. He yeah. did. He missed the almost the entire season, and so you have to operate with the uh, assumption that you need an insurance plan. And that, and that's not to say, I mean, what happened to him at UCF last year was a freak injury, but you got to have somebody you can put out there. And and you know, I know that they went after a bunch of other guys in the portal, and you can say, well, we we did the best we could, but. You know, there's 150 plus quarterbacks that hit the portal in this last year. And Oklahoma had to find somebody better than Davis Bevel. That's just the bottom line. And so um, that that's part of the problem. But then defensively, it's just it's just crazy. It's just crazy to me. I, I, I don't you know, I know we get, we get into the usual year one cliches are like, oh, man, do they have to simplify it so guys can play faster and stuff like that? But um, I, I don't know. Did you think it was person? I mean, Texas is good, right? Texas offense is good, but period. And when Quinn years is back really good um at least right now but defensively how did you feel like that just personnel matched up to texas i i i just know i saw a lot of receivers running open across the field like yeah. quinn made some great plays and and texas had a good offensive game plan but boy quinn had a lot of options to throw to there were tight ends and receivers running down the field with plenty of space and that was what stunned me is because i'm looking as i'm watching the plays develop from sitting up in the press box, I'm like, 
man, he's got like three different guys he can throw to right now. You know, and that's just that's just not an ideal situation uh, from from a schematic standpoint. You want your guys if if your guys aren't the most talented, that's one thing. But it, but you at least figure they're going to try to be in the right place and get it done. And the other thing was is that Texas was physical with them up front, and and they won at the line of scrimmage. They were able to run the ball right at them consistently with B. John Robinson, Roshan Johnson, even Jonathan Brooks when he came in yeah. late in the game. So it's not really that, an NFL front right now for Oklahoma. No, it's it's a different it's a different look. And, and like I said, that that I think will change over time as as they yeah. recruit and retool and the roster. Develop. And that's the one thing yeah. that's gonna help uh that's gonna help a new coach is right now we're in this world where we have no initial counters for a couple of years. So you can kind of flush the roster as much as you need to which, you know, we'll have to see how that happens after the year to, for Venables do, to get yeah, what do he needs. Do you think that he'll look at this the way that, like, Steve Sarkeesian did, of just feeling like after year one you get a clean house? P- possibly so. And and part of that for Sark was more of a culture thing. I think here it's just you've got to get players that can get it done. And so – and some of it, too, is learning on the job. We talked about, you know, Venables' approach. We saw this with Dave Aranda at Baylor – he took a different approach where he was trying to keep things going the way they were when Matt rule was there. And then he realized, Hey, this is not me. This is not how it works or this is not how it's going to work for me. I need to do what I want to do. So some of that too, is I think just first year learning on the job type stuff. So uh, they've got a long way to go, obviously sitting 0 and three in the big 12 looking up and Texas. Meanwhile, who they play this week. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Texas. Last year, 97th in stop rate at the end of the year. And this year, right now, sitting 27th. And this is, to me, as much as we talk about Quinn Ewers, and, and I do want to talk about it a little bit, mm-hmm. that to me is the story of what why this Texas team has played much better this year is their defense is sound, fast, and physical. They're playing their tails off right now. Yeah, I, I think you're seeing the kind of the overall blueprint is coming into focus here a little bit. And it's not just... We need to have a top ten offense while the defense struggles. You know what I mean? I think I think you're seeing the defense um, certainly in their biggest test of the season. Now, obviously, Oklahoma was not thrown at the, throwing a whole lot at them in the way of um, you know truly challenging them very much. Without a, a, a you know, I think what they have like thirty some passing yards on the day, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think you've seen on their best days, whether it's Alabama or Oklahoma or whatever. Um, obviously, the game against Texas Tech wasn't one of them, but. Um, on their best days, yeah, they can they can get the job done enough for this offense that is just so stacked, you know. And and you know when this group is 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 healthy like it is right now, and Quinn Ewers, I, I thought he was he showed a little bit of rust, but I mean, like you said, Sam, some of that is <laughs> you know missing guys at rope and okay, we'll go get, get him on the next one because Oklahoma's defense wasn't wasn't really doing a whole lot to stop you. Um, you know, I think you don't want to jump to jump to conclusions too much with Quinn Ewers when it's only I added it up this week he's only played 19 drives this whole season um and he hasn't thrown a pass in the fourth quarter yet in at all um but man I mean in in terms of a team that has has the dudes to go in the big 12 Texas is looking pretty good right now the one thing that impressed me really with Quinn is a and and we've talked about it before his Pure ability is just off the charts. The throw he made to B. John Robinson mm-hmm. on the sideline, where he was scrambling to his left, he was off balance. He kind of flicked it in like a three quarters arm angle. There's a defender right in front of Bijan, and it was high enough that the defender couldn't jump and get it to Sean White, but Bijan could jump and haul it in. And it 
it just hummed and i was just like that was one of those where i'm sitting in the press box i'm like wow like he yeah he can do those things and there's not a lot of guys that can do those things yeah i I've, there's a there's a saying like when i've talked to coaches in the past about quarterbacks or, or specific quarterbacks they talked about like you know the ball coming out of his hand and and sometimes they say that is like you you see the ball come out of a guy's hand you know he's not very good or whatever like i and i don't never really totally know what that means but if you watch Quinn Ewers you watch the ball come out of his hand you're like different. yeah he's he's special he he's a different dude you you posted today 19 drives averaging 4.37 points per drive when he's on the field so that's that's pretty impressive for uh, to, for context. Yeah. Ohio State is number one in the country overall for the season at 4.13. So Texas with Quinn Ewers on the field is averaging more points per drive than the number one offense in the country right now. But now, now that's just a small sample. Obviously, if I did just the obviously if I did just the drives that CJ Stroud's in, Ohio State's number is probably even better, uh, undoubtedly. But true, it, it, it's true. just a sign of like when when he's out there and when he's right. And and again, we're only going off. What is it, Sam? Like seven quarters? I think he's played or something mm-hmm. like that. Maybe less. Seven or um, eight, eight. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that um, it's, it's pretty exciting. It's pretty exciting for kids that's a freshman, and uh, and they've, they've got talent. And it makes them. the run game that's better. Yeah. Yeah. Oh gosh. That, because now all of a sudden, Bijan Robinson and he he was always productive, but now you're going to have more room because those safeties have to respect you down the field. Mm-hmm. That they're they're going to have to respect Xavier Worthy over the top or Jordan Whittington running across middle foot or Jatavian Sanders at this point, the the sophomore who was a f- former five-star who was terrific on, on Saturday and has been really, really good all year long. And that's the thing. So, yes, well, we then, don't want to overreact you, you to Oklahoma. Keelan Robinson and Jonathan Brooks and some of these other guys, they flashed. I mean, the, de- yeah. the, the depth of the running back room alone is one of the best. It's really good. Yeah. It, we don't want to overreact one game, but I but they have really been playing like this pretty much all year. That this this like Javian Sanders has been good all year. Jordan Whittington has been good pretty much all year. Xavier Worthy, it took a little while for him and Hudson Carr to kind of get connected. Even even the first game took him and Quinn to get connected, but we know how good X is. So that talent is there. And then the other thing has been really good for them is the O line has been terrific, consider all things considered. When you think about they have two true freshmen starting up front. Uh, they, they've been really, really good. But Quinn takes this Texas team from a team that I thought, be, without Quinn, probably an eight and four team, maybe, uh, you know, maybe seven and five ish. To now, I look at Texas and I think to myself, if they stay healthy, they're going to be ten. playing for a spot in the Big 12 yeah. championship game at the end of the year. They're going to be in the, they're going to be playing for stakes in November. That's, yeah. that's the kind of potential that Quinn gives this team with, with the ceiling offensively. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. 
What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. You know who else is playing with stakes in November? Like six other teams in the Big 12. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> this is true. I mean, at least as of today. Um, I Do you feel... Do you feel like Oklahoma State is the best team in the conference? Do you think TCU is the best team? I mean, who who do you put as they match up this weekend? Um, obviously, like, or maybe you want to make a case for K-State or somebody else, but who's the best team in the conference right now? Right now, to me, it's Oklahoma State, just because I, I feel like they're the most complete team of the bunch. I, I think I have more faith in them defensively than I do any of the other contenders. Texas could change that for me down, down the stretch if they continue to play this way, but – I think with Spencer Sanders playing the way he's playing, the defense playing the way it's playing, and just their consistency. And they, they were there last year. They were inches away from from winning the conference last year. Uh, this is going to be a big game, obviously, for them against TCU. This is going to tell us a lot. But uh, And I think TCU has to be in that mix, too, because of how explosive they are offensively. But I, I am curious to see how this one plays out this weekend. But oh, if, if I were picking today, yeah, I think it's Oklahoma State for me. I I think so too, um, and I probably you know probably that's a that's a team that's probably not even though they're in the top ten probably not getting uh, enough love. But man, they and, and I thought that the the game against Texas Tech was look that's the kind of game you have to just survive in the Big Twelve. I mean I, I think it's easy to say well that was you know the third string quarterback, but as you know Sam Barry Morton has got a really bright future at Texas Tech. Um, Dude, he's that, a that player, was not man. he's a, he's a baller. Yeah, like that that was not. Uh, I didn't think that was a bad look for Oklahoma State to be in a close game with Texas Tech. I wasn't surprised by it. No, and we we saw what Texas Tech did to Texas, and they, you know they're going to be aggressive. Kitley's offense is is going to throw it all over the yard. They're going to be productive. They're going to go for fourth downs a lot. And we said it a lot in the offseason, but it was not cliche to say they had three legitimately good quarterbacks in that room with Shuck, Smith, and Morton. And the only one that we really didn't have seen much of was Morton, and now we've seen him, and he's pretty good. So – the future there is pretty bright, and Tech is going to be a team that's going to be a hard out for anybody. So, like you said, I, I don't, I don't consider that a knock on Oklahoma State. I did say this at this time last week that I didn't think Oklahoma State was going to end up scoring, you know, forty or fifty and end up winning that game. And I think they ended up scoring forty one. So, mm-hmm. you know, kudos to them on that because they had to do it to get that one done. But, but yeah, no, I don't, I don't, I don't make that game. That that game doesn't come off as a mark to them. Uh, against them to me because like i said we already seen what tech has done uh you know in the past against texas and of course you know that overtime win against houston early in the year this that's a team that's talented and got potential but k-state's the other one that's super interesting to me because right now they're the only team in the league that's three and oh uh right now and they're sitting at five and one and they're gonna have a say as well so uh i'm curious to see you know after the iowa state game i I didn't get to watch much of that i don't know how much of farmer did you get to see and, and like you called it, the rock fight, the 10-9 rock fight, <laughs> the Big Ten style of football we got going on here between K-State and Iowa State. Yeah. Uh, just, what, what did you come away from with that? Yeah, just just because of some um, – like there was a, the crazy uh, takeaway right at the goal line on a big play. Um, y- y- that, that that changed the score, the final score on that one a little bit. K-State, you know, should have won that game though. I mean, I know Iowa State had chances late, but uh, K-State was a better team. And, you know, I think once again that that's, that's one where – and, and this will be kind of the journey for Adrian Martinez and this team the rest of the way is just can you figure out how to win those close games? And that's something he doesn't have a history of doing in his college career. Um, and so, for again, big step for him uh, and for this offense, which 
you know, didn't play that great, but but got a lot of help this time on defense to go win in Ames. And you, you saw Chris Kleiman after that game, how fired up he was. Um, those guys go against each other a lot in recruiting. Those guys, um, <laughs> you know, I, I, I think it, I think that adds to the juice a little bit. But yeah, he and Gene Taylor were uh, were pretty jacked up to win that one. And I think K State, if you if you if to all of us who talked about K State as like a dark horse for the Big Twelve title this year. I think what you're seeing these past few weeks, you feel pretty good about where where they're positioned right now. Yeah, they're they're off this weekend. They'll get TCU on the 22nd, Oklahoma State on the 29th, Texas on the 5th. So that three week stretch coming off, uh, I know, coming off the break is going to be really telling for them. But it's all going to be. I mean, this whole this whole stretch down the rest of the way, like it's just all going to be about who's healthy, isn't it? I mean, because mm-hmm. these games are all just going to be super stressful. Yeah, th- this is what this is one of those schedules that's really going to test your depth. Uh, and where yeah. you are as a team and and, and it is going to going to matter hey which of those how, which of those teams can survive the slog that's going to be the next six weeks because uh it's like i said you, you said it and it's not an exaggeration there's legitimately one two three four five six six maybe even seven teams that could be playing for this thing mm-hmm. you know i mean i don't want to count baylor out just yet i do they are not as good as i thought they were coming into the year but I, I mean, they they played Oklahoma State pretty well uh, down the stretch at home. You know, they were down 23-3 and came back. And some of the plays Blake Shapin made, if he continues to grow, if that running game continues to move along, if they could take care of the football, that's a team that can win. And again, we know what they have in line of scrimmage. That's a team that can win any ball game. So, uh, and, and KU, of yeah. course, we know what KU has done. We'll have to see how Jalen Daniels' injury status affects KU yeah, moving forward. You know, Jason Bean looked good. Jason Bean did look good, um, you know. Loyal listeners of the podcast will remember me and, and Jason Kersey, big fans of Jason Bean and the Bean situation at Kansas last year. Um, North uh, he, Texas, former North Texas quarterback. That's right. You know, he came in and <laughs> threw like a 50-yarder on his first pass of the day. He was feeling himself. Um, he, he, he threw some dimes on, downfield, and that was, that was really encouraging to see. We know that he can give them stuff in the run game because he was one of the more productive uh, rushing quarterbacks in the conference last year. Um, I, I think the decision making, you just see a little bit of a difference there um, compared to Jalen Daniels. I think when things are opening up, Jalen's really good about hitting it right away, you know, seeing it, making the throw. Bean was maybe a little bit slower to make those decisions, had the bad interception, um, you know, that, that cost them in, in, against their own, uh, you know, back on their territory. So that's the part you got to fine tune. I'm sure that their OC Andy Kotelnicki is going to, you know, clean thing, you know, fine tune things a little bit this week in terms of what Jason Bean does best. Um, and uh, until I know Dylan Gabriel is starting for Oklahoma, I, I don't think Oklahoma should be a favorite in this game. That, seven that, point was it a seven point favorite? I, I don't know what it's at now. Yeah, but uh, that that sounded uh, just silly to me. I don't know about you. Yeah, that was Venables. I think said yesterday that. So far, things are going well for Gabriel, and that they'll they'll know by Thursday. Uh, so by the time you guys listen to this, we'll, we'll probably be close to an answer. Nine point favorite, nine nine now. Wow, a bit strong for my taste, but it is a bit strong considering the way Kansas has played this year, and considering the way Oklahoma has played the last three weeks. Um, but yeah, it's it's going to be interesting to see. I, I was not surprised well let me not lie i was surprised to see bean throw be that good in the second half <laughs> second half last week because when, when daniels went down i think all of us thought oh no there goes kansas dream season 
But you know, oh, I, and I wrote it that like offense. that game probably should turn into like a forty-five to seventeen kind of game once you lose your 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 guy, your quarterback, yeah. your the guy that it makes everything go on offense. Um, that should have been a game where Kansas falls apart. And uh, and you know that's really a credit to Lance Leipold. When I went and visited them a few weeks ago, about a month ago now, um, to talk about Jalen Daniels, um, we sat in his office for forty-five minutes or so. And he kept bringing up Jason Bean um, and and how important it was to keep him involved and to have have some ways to get him on the field and get get him, you know, some usage in their offense. And and that's to me like that's the kind of thing that tells you when your coaches like got some vision and got 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 some, you know, they're, they're trying to set a culture here. Um, it's not just about Jalen Daniels is hot and forget about everybody else in that room. I mean, he, he really he, he, this is a coach that. um you know, I, I was really, I just really impressed that he was still thinking ahead about we got to keep Jason, uh, Jason being ready to go. We got to keep him, you know, find some way to get him on the field and, and, and make him feel useful. And, and you saw the, you know, you saw the effect in the second half of that game. He was ready to go. Yeah. And I think we're, we're seeing it across the country this year. And you know, it just from monitoring the transfer portal year round, it is harder to keep multiple scholarship quarterbacks that you feel like you can win with in your room but it is more vital than ever to have it. I mean, look mm-hmm. at Texas A&M, what they're going through this year with Haynes King and Max Johnson. You know, obviously Max has heard King had to start. You know, they've been back and forth with those guys. We're seeing what happened in a Texas Tech. Uh, you know, it, we saw what happened in Texas with you know, Hudson Card and Quinn Ewers and yep. how dire the straits are if, you know, when both of those guys got hurt, if, if you had to end up going to either Charles Wright or uh, Malik Murphy. So, that is the challenging part. And like you said, it is incumbent upon staffs to to try your best to A, keep guys, but B, like you said, have guys ready to go because guys are going to get hurt, man. It's a it's a 12 game regular season. And it's, you know, especially in this conference, they're they're super competitive games. You're going to need more than one guy. And it, like I said, it's cliche when they say it at the press conference, but then it, you have a situation like you did Saturday in Lawrence and you needed that guy and and he was up to the task. So well, and uh, we talked to Max Duggan for the podcast this week. I mean, he's he's proof that hey, the plan can change in week one. You yeah, know? you never know. <laughs> I mean, you just never know. You can go into the game, the, yeah, right. You can go on the road and play that first game, and by the end of that first game, you're the starter again. I mean, and that's you know, he's a guy that um, you know stuck it out there when, to be honest, in the summer, I I my guess was that yeah, that Chandler Morris was probably going to be the guy just based on. The, the fit there and and his experience playing Lincoln Riley's offense, how it translated over to Garrett Riley's offense. And, um, you know, kudos to Max Duggan. Um, and we talked about this with him a little bit, but, um, you know, that's a, that's a kid who, who stuck it out and didn't just, you know, didn't maybe do the easy thing at the end of fall camp and say, you know, I'm checking out, I'm going to go somewhere else. Yeah, that's that. And it's, I think it's a rarity or it's, it's a little bit of rarity just because, and remember, Max doesn't have very much eligibility left. He's a yep. senior. I think he does have a COVID year left if he wants to use it, but he doesn't have much time. And that that's where in these situations where you don't win a job, guys often look to go out and, and you can't blame them for it because they're trying to, if they're trying to play for a pro future, they're trying to maximize their time. You, you and need if you're to losing a battle to a kid who's younger than you. Yeah. I mean, no brainer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But but he stayed and stuck it out. And boy, I can promise you, Sonny Dykes and Gary Riley are very grateful he did because and, and we, we talked about it before, they were very open about kicking around the portal even when they got there about, hey, mm-hmm. maybe we'll add a guy, you know, if we think we need to add a guy, if we're not sure that Morris and, and Duggan are going to be good enough. They felt like they were good enough and came out without getting a transfer. But then, 
you get in that situation. But now look at look at where TCU is now, and you've got an experienced guy who is leading one of the most explosive offenses in the country. So um, it'll be exciting to talk to him a little bit. Before we move on to low-key game of the week, uh, I had paid off my bet. Max, I ate. Yes, I, I'm I ate sorry. We skipped over this. Ate fair. <laughs> you ate the pickle pizza. I can confirm. Sam sent me a picture of it. Um, did you tweet that out? You have to tweet that out with the podcast. I did not. I did not tweet it out. Okay. Uh, I did do a video though of of it, <laughs> and then okay. the it was so loud in the area where I was sitting that you couldn't even really hear me doing the play by play of eating it. But <laughs> it was not as bad. For for recap, for those who maybe just catching up we before the state fair we bet on baylor and oklahoma state and the loser had to eat pickle pizza as we listed through the list of new foods at the state fair this year because pickle pizza just sounds odd and weird and so Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i lost because i took baylor and oklahoma state won so i had to eat the pickle pizza and max wasn't there to witness it because kansas and tcu changed the plans for us a little bit but uh I will say that it was better than I thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. When I when I took a few bites in, I was like, okay, I can do this because the quality of the pizza was really good. Like the actual good. pizza itself, good. the cheese was good, the bread was good. It was you know a certain right amount of crisp. You know the texture was right on point, and the pickles just threw it off a little bit. But the pizza was good enough that I felt like it overcame it, and then I got confident. Like I after I ate, and because when you ordered it, they gave you two slices, and so two I only expected slices. one. They gave you two slices. I only expected one. How many and tickets then, was it? Uh, I think 10. I believe it was 10. It's not that bad. Yeah. So I was thinking. Which like, is like five I don't bucks, think I'm, right? I want to say. Uh, it was. No, it's. A, I think it was a dollar a ticket now. It's not 50 cent. Oh, or it wasn't okay. 50 cent tickets this time. <laughs> okay, yeah, it's a dollar right. a ticket at the fair. So, all right. Yeah. Okay. All right. That's expensive. Yeah. yeah. Pickle pizza. Yeah, all right. Yeah, keep going. Yeah. 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 So. So. I was thinking to myself, I'm certainly not going to eat two slices of pizza. And then after I started getting into the first one, I was like, you know what? I may be able to. I started getting confident. I was like, all right, I'm going to eat the second slice. And then when I started on the second slice, I had to take the pickles off. I was like, mm-hmm. I did my one. I paid off my bet. Mm-hmm. And I, I ate half of the second slice without pickles. And I was like, it's too uh, much pickle. There was just too I much. Ac- I accept that. Yeah. How On a so, scale of one to ten, how briny was it? It was it was pretty briny. I would say probably about a seven. Okay, uh, was, but pretty, you, again, you got some, like you said, got some real pickle juice and pickle pickle bites into yeah. and flavoring into all. Of yeah, that. yeah, 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 yeah. I'd say about a six and a half or seven. Uh, all right. But That's again, tough. the pizza quality over overtook it, and so it it made it pretty tolerable. And so, uh, so you, that was coming good. off this experience. Do you think that like? That's like as much as people maybe like putting jalapenos on their pizza, putting pickles on their pizza. That's not gonna ever gonna become a craze, right? No, I couldn't see it. Like you, okay, you have to really like it. And and you know, my wife loves pickles, but I don't know that I'd ever have ever seen her try that. And I don't mm-hmm. know that it, she ever. I, I guess I'd have to ask her if she comes to state for next year. Maybe she could try it and see what she thinks. But I just, it just, it doesn't. It's incongruent. Okay, it doesn't match up. It just doesn't match choice. up to me. So. Uh, Bijan Mustardson and Fletcher's Corny Dog was a much better pairing. Yeah. Did you start the day with that? <laughs> I started the day. That was breakfast. Of course, you have to have uh, yeah. Fletcher's Corny Dog for breakfast at State Fair. That's I think it's required by law, but uh, it was I pretty think, solid. I think I would go uh, with a with a Dijon mustard over a yellow mustard. I, I would try that. With a, with a I'm a dog. traditional yellow mustard guy. That's my preference, but yeah. I tried the but I like Dijon mustard. It's it's totally fine and 
I, I definitely liked that. I thought it was good. So big ups to B. John Robinson. And was his the mascot large... out there? So he said it was going to be, but I never was able to spot him. <laughs> okay. uh, I'd have to go. I guess I need to go look on the Twitter account and see. Because, I mean, there's also, you know, hundreds of thousands of people yeah, at the right. State Fair. So it's kind of hard. But, yeah, I, did, I didn't see him at the condiment cart where the Bijan Musterson was. So Okay. Please tell me you got something sweet, though, by the end of the yes. day. There. Yeah, I got before when I left, I got fried cookie dough. I tried nice. that. And it was it was pretty good, I, I got to say. And okay. some people were questioning that choice. I was getting some mixed uh, reviews and feedback on that. And I don't know. I'm not sure why, but I liked it. I thought it was really, really good. Was it, Chocolate chip cookie dough and just about anything is great. Was it like, yeah, was it like molten cookie dough on the inside? Yes, pretty much. Yeah, nice. it's like it's the, you know, hard, you know, fried dough on the outside with a little, you know, syrup and middle some powdered sugar. And then you get inside and it was very like, yeah, it's like molten is a really good way to describe it. I with, love it. You know, the little chocolate chips in the middle. Yep. Perfect. I think that's Perfect. a good choice. I got, I, there's nothing wrong with that whatsoever. I'm glad that you treated yourself after, you know, being a really honorable person and, uh, and doing pickle <laughs> pizza. And um, thank you for doing that. And we'll have to find another excuse to uh, uh, abuse ourselves with food here down the road. <laughs> no kidding. Uh, so low key game of the week. What do we think? What's our, what's our low key game of the week this week? How low key are you going? I'm going really low key. Like okay. I'm going like off the radar <laughs> low key. <laughs> so I looked at Arkansas BYU as a potential option because, you know, Arkansas I think needs a win and BYU is pretty good. I even put LSU and Florida on the list because uh, it's not as premier a game as it normally is. But I'm going way off the radar. And this is kind of a homer pick is Louisiana Tech at North Texas okay. because Sonny Cumbie, Louisiana Tech, uh, first year head coach there. Uh, and then you've got the Seth Luttrell, Conference USA. They're doing they're two and zero in conference right now, uh, three and three, and Louisiana Tech's two and three. They're trying to so this is kind of a kind of a key game in the Conference USA race. Uh, North Texas had a little bit of a rough start to year, but but has kind of gotten it going here in conference play. So uh, I'm mostly a homer because you know I like those two coaches. So I'm going to pick Cumby versus Luttrell as my really really low key game of the week uh, off the radar, but. I'm also interested in Arkansas BYU, uh, just because I think that game yes. is, is big for both teams. Yeah, I think if if, if KJ Jefferson's back for that game, uh, that would that would go, probably move to the top of the list for the the low key game for me. Um, I'm going to go also off off the radar here a little bit, um, and this is a game that you, if you're a fan of Kansas or or Iowa State or K State or whatever, probably probably worth just keeping keeping a side eye on here, and that's Nebraska at Purdue. Um, Nebraska has won two in a row under interim coach Mickey Joseph uh, against Indiana and Rutgers, two of the not best in the Big Ten. They are going on the road to play Purdue, which has uh, you know one of the best offenses I think in the Big Ten when they're right. Um, and Purdue has already beat Minnesota, who who has a chance to be the the, the team that uh, wins the West. So it's a uh, Nebraska is a big underdog. If Nebraska were to win this game. I think it would generate a lot of uh, a lot more popularity for Mickey <laughs> Joseph being the becoming the full time head coach at Nebraska. Now they've got a really rough schedule in November uh, and and really the rest of the way here. But if you are um, a little bit nervous about the possibility of your head coach getting an offer that he can't <laughs> refuse from Nebraska, I would be I'd be pulling for Mickey Joseph in Nebraska this weekend. Um, and uh or, or pulling from Matt rule to get the job or you can pick all sorts of other scenarios that you that you can get behind but uh this is a game that if Nebraska were to pull an upset 
uh, that would do quite a bit, I think, for the candidacy of, uh, of Mickey Joseph. And uh, maybe they will leave, uh, you know, guys like Lance Leipold and Matt Campbell uh, alone here at the end of November. <laughs> Kansas fans are rooting for the interim coaches to succeed. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. That's that's uh, I think that's probably true. Um, so that's a very low key game that I may watch a little bit of. Uh, we'll see how the night goes. Yeah, the uh, other one, interesting one that is a ranked matchup is NC State and Syracuse. They're I like that. Uh, what NC NC State fifteenth against uh, number eighteen Syracuse. So that that's going to be an interesting one. Uh, and but uh, but yeah, the Matt Rule on the being on the market is uh, certainly made this week interesting because uh, now all of a sudden. Uh, everybody wants everybody wants Matt Rule to coach their programs. <laughs> hey, real quick, what would you if you um, if you were let go by the Athletic and the Athletic owed you forty million dollars? <laughs> what would you what would you do? I would chill for a little bit. You got to just take some time just to reset after. Mm-hmm. You get let go somewhere. I've actually been let go at a place before, so I have a personal experience. Although I wasn't owed quite that much money when I was let go, yeah, at my last job, uh, I would chill for at least you know a couple months, probably chill out, and then I would want to do something. I heard all this conversation about, well, Matt rules would just chill. Like, okay, he can, yeah, if he wants to. Like, if he wants to, that's great. But I'm not the type to just sit around. I'd probably like go I write know. books or something. You know, I, yeah. I, I would still want to do what I do. I may not want to do it every day. Like, I don't know that I'd, uh, I mean, I love, I love this job and I, I love doing it. And during, especially during college football season, I had a ton of fun at Red River last week that I, I legitimately enjoyed that trip. And I enjoy most of my game trips yeah. because they're a lot of fun. And so I don't think I would change. Hey, it's, it's what, what we get do. to do, right? It's not what we have to do. Yeah. It's what we get to do. Right. Right. But would I, would I be writing a column or writing a story every single day probably not i'd probably like i said I, I would probably either you know what i would do i would start my own podcast and i'd start writing books that's what i do not just this podcast but i'm like i'm starting just like a podcast i'm like whatever it is i want to talk about and then i start writing some books oh god you're gonna sink 40 million into a podcast empire <laughs> no we're not gonna sink the money into it, it doesn't take that much money to do it but i know it doesn't but yeah. but the, you just that just buys you some peace of mind and some security, mm-hmm. but you still mm-hmm. need something. I'm, I'm 40 years old, man. I got a long way to go. I still got a lot of life to live. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, 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 I'm not, I remember I'm not trying to somebody, retire at 40. I remember working with somebody back in the day who was, he, he was set, but he felt like, well, my kids need to see me working, you know, maybe that's probably how mm-hmm. you would feel too. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't gotta get I, to work. I mean, I, you know, I want to take, I want to take time to, you know, play basketball with my, you know, my son and, uh, you know, chase my other son around and all that stuff, but they're at school all day. What am I going to do from nine until three o'clock or four o'clock when they get home? Like, yeah, you know, I got to find some, I got to have a purpose of some sort. It's true. You know, maybe I could, maybe I could gamble. Ari likes to gamble all the time. Maybe I'll do that. Just gamble <laughs> on sports all the time. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I think for me, the answer in the short term is dope vacations. I think that's where you start. If you're Matt rule, good start travel go go kick it here for the next two months mm-hmm. yeah no, i agree i think that's a good and if people are trying to hire you they'll, yeah. they'll get a hold of you oh yeah i mean you could even do the tv thing which i don't know again that's work but you know yeah the, t- the the one thing i would say about rule is i think i don't know that he needs to take a year off but i do think he would benefit from some time mm-hmm. 
studying the sport because ever since he left, we've instituted a one-time transfer where we started NIL. Getting to learn the ins and outs of some of that new stuff that has happened since he last was a head coach in college probably would serve him well before he takes a head coaching job next. Yeah, it's it's like when you do what he did, like it can backfire on you if you bring too many college ideas to the NFL, and it can backfire if you're trying to bring too many NFL ideas back to college too. I think mm-hmm. you know, so I think you're probably right about that. And I think I, I know everyone. I know it's easy to just say like, "Oh yeah, man, you'd never see me again if I was making that much money." But I think I'm I'm sure that it weighs on him that um, you know he brought a lot of people to Charlotte too, a lot a lot of mm-hmm. a lot of coaches and staff members and their families, and uh, and that's why these guys get get back into it too, is so that they can have somewhere to go so they can they can help people their people find work because i think you do as a head coach feel that responsibility um you know to the people that uh, that you work with and and that you convince to come out to um to carolina and all that so um I, i'm sure it, it's 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 a heavy deal i i hate for for to see him and uh go through this uh you know obviously you and i enjoyed covering him uh in his time uh at baylor and you know, best of luck to him. It, it, his next move is going to be fascinating. It, it really will. And maybe it's Nebraska. Maybe it's a a pro thing. Maybe it's TV. Who who knows? Yeah, uh, like I said, there's plenty of colleges would love to have him. Yeah. So yeah, they'd be lucky to have him for sure. Should we get to the guests? Let's do that. Max Duggan, TCU quarterback, uh, leading the five and zero Horn Frogs, joining us on the pod. We have a special guest on the podcast today, quarterback of the five and zero TCU Horn Frogs. Max Duggan. Max, thank you so much for joining us, man. How are you today? Yep. Appreciate you guys having me on. So doing good. Let's start with uh, where you guys are right now. You're number 13 in the rankings, 5-0, and just like we said. What has it been like to have TCU back in the national spotlight? Yeah, it's good. Um, you know, there's a lot of hard work put in the offseason, um, you know, you know all the, all the change that happened. But it's been fun. I think it's good for the players, good for the program um good for the university fans kind of everyone uh getting a little more excited um for this program so it's been fun to watch when you look back at the at the kansas game you guys difference in the third quarter you guys got rolling what what was it like uh just a in that back and forth battle and b once you guys really started getting the roll yeah i think uh i think we did you know, a great job of kind of playing complimentary football. You know, um, in the first half, we were struggling on offense. Defense was making a lot of big-time plays, you know, helping us out. I think the second half, we just had to, you know, we knew what we were doing. You know, they weren't doing anything that was that was different, that was causing problems, just us executing our game plan. And we knew we had to go out there in the second half, you know, kind of help our defense out. You know, they were playing one heck of a game. Just trying to get ourselves rolling, you know, not really stress out too much. Don't, uh, don't uh, kind of tighten up. And I think that was just what it was. Just guys kind of started playing a little bit more. Uh, loose you can see you know put up a, a little bit more points in the second half do you think it makes sense to just throw the ball to quentin johnson 17 times a game going forward max <laughs> yeah it makes pretty uh, a lot of sense doesn't it you know just kind of close your eyes and throw it up to him because he'll probably end up catching it yeah i imagine i imagine it's hard to miss if, if you're throwing it his way yeah no he's a big target and i could probably punt it to him and you know make make my job a lot easier you can just go up and and get it for sure. Max, we talked a little bit about this last week uh, when you and I spoke about your journey from from Council Bluffs, Iowa to, to Fort Worth, Texas. How does one find himself from the Midwest down here in, in Texas playing football for TCU? Yeah, it was, uh, you know, I'm glad to be here. I love it down here. And I think, you know, there's a, a lot of things in the recruiting world, you know, the boring football stuff that kind of got you to come down here. 
But no, when I came down to visit, you know, when I was 16 years old, I fell in love with the campus, fell in love with the people of Fort Worth. You know, I was down here um, during the spring. Students were on campus. was able to go to a baseball game. Just kind of see how the community was. Um, and I think I fell in love with it. You know, there was nothing about me that I needed to stay home. I needed to stay in the Midwest. I just wanted to go somewhere that I, I felt like at home, felt like I could grow as a person, as a player. Um, and I was Fort Worth, Texas. For sure, Max. When you think back a couple of years ago, there was a time in 2020 when your career kind of went on hold for a little bit um, as you were dealing with a heart condition. How, how do you – reflect on that time and kind of just how crazy that was what you were going through yeah i think just be grateful for the position i'm in you know i'm, I'm lucky enough to be playing football um at this university um be around these guys being around the staff i think just being grateful because you know you never know when when your opportunity um or something might get taken away from you so just understand um just you know how fortunate i am to be in this position right now yeah, what, what was like going through that? I mean, you had to take a you know break, and it just wasn't really clear if you were going to play that season and stuff, and then you go right back in. What was that season like for you? Yeah, it was kind of crazy. Yeah, so I, I ended up getting COVID, you know, preseason. Um, obviously, I go through um, or end up, you know, figuring out what happened to my heart. You know, I ended up having surgery. After the initial surgery, I don't even know if people know this or if it's been talked about. I had to have another surgery because I had a blood clot. So then wow. I had a surgery right after that. So then, you know – was out for a little bit more, was able to kind of come back towards the the beginning of the season, you know, have a couple of weeks of practice or a week, whatever it was. But um, I was just doing whatever I could. I was told that was, you know, um, after all the the surgeries, you know, after some, you know, thinking with the doctors, like, hey, yeah, you, you should be all right now, like with, you know, everything we thought of. So just trying to get back as fast as I could to help, help the team out. Wow. Did it take a while to get get your win back about you? Because I mean, that's obviously that's major stuff that we're talking about when it comes to having that kind of procedure. What what was it like trying to play yourself back into football shape? Yeah, it took me like quite a bit of uh, quite a bit of games to like get back into it. You know, I had probably you know a week, maybe a week and a half of actually you know practicing and trying to get back into shape. But it took me you know you know quite a bit of games to trying to get your legs back under you, just feel the you know the normalcy of playing in a college football game. How'd your parents deal with all that? Cause that's, that's scary <laughs> yeah. stuff. I mean, like I'm, I'm a dad. So, I mean, I've got kids. I know if I hear that from a doctor, it's going to scare the heck out of me. What, what were your parents and family like uh, throughout that process? Yeah. I think my mom was probably more worried than my dad probably was. And I think I was probably more on the end of like, Oh, it's not a big deal. I was telling like, it's, it's going to be all right. But uh, yeah, they were, you know, you're just like, how quickly can I go play football? Yeah, <laughs> I didn't really think it was anything too serious. But my parents, I think, were, you know, thinking it was pretty serious. So for sure. You've been been here for three plus now your fourth season on campus and you started for three seasons and been through a lot here on campus, obviously a coaching change, the whole nine. What was it like this season to start? You had the battle with Chandler. Obviously, Chandler got the nod at the start of the year. But after starting for three seasons to not necessarily be the starter, be the one being QB one to start the year. What what was that challenge like for you initially when, when, when the decision first came down? Yeah. You know, I, I was disappointed in myself. I, you know, everybody wants to play. Everybody wants to be the guy and you're disappointed, you know, if you're a competitor and I wasn't myself, but you know, never really, you know, felt sorry for myself and pouted. I think because of it, you know, some guys might be upset. It's like, oh, it's because I'm not playing. But I think it's just I've been here three years. I've been with the guys in the locker. I've been around this university. And I just wanted to be part of it, the CTC winning, and do whatever I could to help, you know, the team win. Because I've been here for three years. We haven't won. You know, we haven't been very good. 
So just doing whatever I could to be part of that locker and be part of the guys on the team and, and see TCU back on top was just the thing that I was focused on. Um, you know, after, you know, we were uh, Chandler's name starter, you know, you kind of forgot about it. You know, that was, I understand what my role was and, you know, I was trying to be the best I could be at that role. Matt, Max, as you guys go through that transition on um, this offseason, obviously um, a lot of quarterbacks kind of in your position kind of step back and say, do I need to go somewhere else? Did you ever think about, uh, obviously you didn't enter the portal, but did you ever think about like maybe you need to finish your career somewhere else and kind of how do you, how do you sort of juggle that versus, you know, wanting to stay and finish a degree and kind of stay on your path? Yeah, I think, you know, a lot of guys have different situations and, you know, guys go for, for the betterment that they're, for their career. Um, I thought this was the best spot for me, you know, obviously competing. I, I'm a competitor. I, I don't want to shy away from competition. I understood it was a competition. So, um, you know, I wasn't worried about that. And I think just, you know, like I said, I want to graduate from TCU. So I'm graduating in December. I want to be part of the locker room. I want to be part of, you know, of the guys, all, all my boys that are, are with me. You know, my best friends go to school here, made tons of connections. And I think that was the biggest thing. Just fell in love with the university, the city, the people that are in this locker room and in, in, in these walls. So that was a big reason I, I didn't want to leave. I, I wanted to make sure, you know, I was here. I, I want to be here for four years. Like I said, I was going to be coming out of high school. You know, Max, I, I know Coach Dykes uh, is a big fan of you and, and just the way that you've handled yourself throughout this year. Tell me about your relationship with him and just kind of the things that he's done over the past year to kind of earn your trust. Yeah, um, you know, obviously from – playing against him before when he was at SMU and just even our first couple of conversations that we had, it was, it was great conversations talking about, you know, what he thought about me as a player, um, you know, obviously from watching from afar, things that I could work on, things that I did good, you know, things that he could see me, you know, potential wise in this offense, in this, you know, in this scheme. But I think just the thing that speaks to him out or speaks about him the most is, you know, the type of man he is, the type of confidence he puts into his players and his, um, and his staff is the biggest thing that um, I've seen from him. You know, I love playing for him. He he loves his guys, um, treats them like he's, they're, they're his own, and just puts tons of confidence in us as players and going out there every Saturday and, just, you know, a guy that you want to play for each Saturday. When I asked uh, Travis Hodges Tomlinson this summer how, much, how weird he thought it was that the SMU coach – came to TCU. He said, Oh, I don't consider SMU a rival. What did you, what did you think of it when that was all going down at the end of last year? Yeah. You know, there's um, a lot of things going on and I think college football is just yeah, it's so weird nowadays and things that go on with coaching changes and the transfer portal and just how much the college landscape has changed. But um, you know, it was, it was a little different than, you know, than most people might've thought with, you know, such close schools and playing each other. But uh um, we love Coach Sykes, and we're glad that we have him. Max, you you obviously are having a career year, and, and I know the talent has always been there, and you've, you've had some great moments, but this year it seems like it's all coming together. I mean, 14 touchdowns, one interception, you're averaging 10.3 yards of attempt, your completion percentage is a career high. What has been the keys to you taking a significant step forward this year? Yeah, I – I, I say it's a lot, but I think it's confidence. I think, you know, it's just confidence that Coach Dykes and Coach Riley's put in me, put in our offense, um, letting you go out there, play freely. Obviously, you're not playing recklessly, but understand that we're in attack mode. Um, you know, we're going out there to try to make a play, you know, try to put some points up on the board, help us win. I think that's the biggest thing is just um, playing confidently, not trying to do too much, not trying to throw the perfect ball, trying to put us in the perfect play, but just let the guys around me do what they do best, and that's being athletic. You know, we've had this – 
um, studs all around us, you know, up front in the backfield, that receiver for the last three years, just haven't been able to put it together. And I think it's just um, a lot of trying to do too much outside my job, just kind of play, play within the system. Um, let those guys go be athletic, you know, let, let the guys do what they do best. So. Now you're pretty athletic too. I saw you run for a 60 yard touchdown against Oklahoma. You, you got some wheels too now. Yeah, I know. I'm, I was pretty tired after that. I don't know how many I got left in me. <laughs> Max, what are, what are some of the aspects of this Garrett Riley offense that you're loving? Uh, obviously, to I mean, it, it's been one of the most efficient in the country, not just in, in your play, but in the run game, too. What are the things that he does, um, you know, philosophically that that is really kind of clicked well for you? Well, I think the first thing is that he understands what our strengths are of of player traits. Obviously, we got a lot of guys and a lot of differences, you know, whether it's, you know, Kendra and Amari in the backfield, you got guys like, you know, D. Davis, Tay Barber, Quinn Johnston um, on the outside, Jared Wiley at tight end, guys up front. So there's a lot of different aspects and strengths that we have that you can kind of manipulate and kind of, you know, whatever, try to scheme up. And I think he does a great job of understanding what that is and putting us in successful positions. But um, he does a great job of just creating that mindset of um, being confident, not trying to uh, do too much outside outside your, uh, outside your job, just letting us go play freely. And obviously this schematically um you know he puts us in good positions whether it's in throw game you know man zone concepts you know giving us kind of matchup advantages or you know run game numbers but he's a you know he's an innovative mind he's a smart mind um and he's a good one so it's been fun to play in when you say it's all about confidence like do you guys go out there thinking like all right we're trying to score 50 today yeah our job is to go out there and score as many points as possible and we understand you know um you know, it's not trying about like scoring as quick as possible. You know, we understand tempo and things of that sort, but we're in attack mode every single time we go out there. And I think what he does, you know, when he says, you know, we're in attack mode, that's not playing recklessly. That's not, you know, throwing the ball into double coverage, you know, throwing four verts 60 times a game, but always trying to be violent, always trying to be um, in that mindset of we're trying to have them chase us. You know, they got to defend us and we got to understand that. So. Looking ahead to this weekend, Max, you got – I saw the announcement this morning the Carter is going to be sold out. Uh, you got a top-10 Oklahoma State team coming into town, big conference matchup. How excited are you and the guys for this opportunity? Yeah, this is – um, you know, it's a big game. It's one of the biggest games that, you know, I've probably been in for a home game in my career at TCU. Um, fans are excited. Fans are juiced up. And I think um, our guys are excited. It's a good good opportunity for us. We're playing a really good Oklahoma State team. Um, you know, there's a lot at stake, you know, with, with the, with the standings and how things end up at the end of the season, but we know it's just the, you know, it's the next game. That's, that's why it's the most important game. We know we're going to have our hands full with it. You know, they, they fly around on defense or athletic play a lot of man coverage. So it's uh it's going to be a fun one for us. Does it feel a little different around the building there, Max, just to have a team that is on a roll like this after all the ups and downs you guys have gone through? Does it, is there just like the, an energy that's just like a little bit different week to week when, when, when guys know, like, we've got a chance to make a run here? Yeah, I think guys are just, you know, I, I said a lot. Guys are just a lot more confident right now. Um, they've seen what we can do. Obviously, we know that we're not content. We know that, you know, you can get beat, you know, the rest of the way going on with, with the slate that we got coming up. But I think Coach Dykes doing a good job of, of kind of harping in on our guys in, in, in the program of just, you know, taking it day by day, you know, whether it's a Sunday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday practice, not worrying about the outside factors that, that people are talking about, staying it week to week, doing what um, we need to focus on the process. I think it's helped us so far during the season. All right. So we've talked enough football. So you live in Fort Worth, you go to school in a place that has 
five of the top 50 barbecue joints in the state of Texas, at least according to Texas Monthly List that came out that me and Max read every year. Mm. Heim, Panther City, Goldie, Smokeaholics, Danes. Do you have any favorite spot amongst those or, or any other place that you like to hit in Fort Worth? Yeah, Heim Barbecue. That's, that's the way to go. That's mine. But what what's the move for you? Is it is it the bacon burn ends? Is it the burgers? Is it the rib? I mean, what what do you what do you get there? Yeah, you go uh, get the bacon burn ends, jalapeno sausage, pulled pork, mac and cheese, mix it together, the barbecue sauce on it. Can't go wrong with it. <laughs> you I, I should have worn my of- bacon burn ends t shirt today. <laughs> I, I have that in the closet. I should have worn that for this interview. Yeah, it's they're addicting. Can't get can't get rid of them. That that's a pretty huge advantage you guys have just to have that kind of that for your program to have that kind of a relationship with a barbecue joint like that. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, you know, um, they've done a great job of you know catering and things of that sort and, and coming in to, with the coaches. But yeah, they're right down the road. Um, I think our team eats there like every single day, so they probably know us by our first names. <laughs> but no, it's been cool. We love going there. They're they're good people. Um, they treat us well. So do you, you get have- an nil deal there, right? Yeah, that'd be pretty cool. That would be pretty yeah. cool. <laughs> do you have no Max? I'm, I'm based here in Nebraska. Do you have any favorite spots in in Omaha you get back to? Ooh, you know downtown in the old market is obviously there's a bunch of good spots. I think in high school I used to go to like Spaghetti Works all the time. Mm-hmm. Like all you can eat pasta for like ten bucks. Me and my buddy used to go to. Um, trying to think about some other spots that we used to go to, but yeah, there's a bunch of little like Co's Pizza in the old market, and there's there's a couple good. Good gems down there. Do you do you have a favorite Council Bluffs casino? Nah, no. <laughs> you don't want to get you that don't want to get into those. You're not the nicest ones. <laughs> that was a trap. What about College World Series? Would you go to that growing up? Oh yeah, I grew up. You know, every single year going to this. You know, College World Series. That's a that's an event experience that I think everybody's got to go to in sports. It's just you know whether you like baseball or not, just something you got to you got to go to once. For sure. All right, last one here. Max, are you do you consider yourself a superstitious person? I think I was in high school and like early on in my career because I think my dad was. My dad was a you know high school coach for 30 plus years, and you know, coaches are superstitious. So I think I kind of learned some habits from him. But the more I've kind of matured and grown up, the less I've become kind of superstitious and not really worried about that and getting your own head. The the guests on our podcast recently have not won their games after being on this podcast did we talk about anything today that is going to cause you to not win this weekend i hope not hopefully not i hope we've got some good karma built up that will kind of help us on on saturday yeah that would that would mean a lot to us if you if you could get one done and break this streak for us <laughs> right <laughs> max, max i'm glad you waited so much, until, until the very end of that <laughs> yeah yeah that's right that's right uh thanks so much Dad max for joining us man good luck this weekend and good luck the rest of the year yeah, appreciate you guys having me on. Thanks, thanks a lot. Well, that was fun. Good to get Max on before a really, really big game this weekend. That's yeah. uh, it's a huge one in Fort Worth, a packed Carter, Amon G. Carter Stadium. And uh, you know, from what I from what I understand, I wasn't there, but when uh, their last home game that they had against Oklahoma, from what I heard, was a really good atmosphere too. So, at least uh, the first half, probably, yeah. <laughs> yeah, before the game got out of hand, but uh, I'm sure it'll be it'll be a fun one and a, like I said, a really big uh, matchup in the Big Twelve race. So we'll learn a lot about that. But we got to talk about something, Max. We got an issue here on this podcast. Yeah, I, in case anyone wasn't sure what I was alluding to and talking with Max Duggan, um, we we've got. I was thinking about this a lot on Sunday, Sam. It was weighing heavily on my heart. Um, <laughs> we we've got a curse going on. 
on this podcast. It seems and like it's we do. not it's not intentional. Um, but let's just let's just go down the list here. Okay. So we had West Virginia coach Neil Brown on the show. Um, very nice of him to join. Uh, a few days later, or yeah, a couple days later, West Virginia loses their season opener to Pitt, right? Mm-hmm. The next week, we have Houston quarterback Clayton Toon on after their dramatic win over UTSA. And they go lose at Texas Tech the next week. Mm-hmm. And then we had Manny Navarro, our Miami uh, beat reporter, <laughs> our Miami beat reporter, our colleague at the Athletic. He came on the show, and Miami lost to Texas A&M in a very ugly game, by the way. <laughs> Pretty ugly game for sure. And then we had Joey McGuire on the show. <laughs> I'm sensing a trend here. After uh, their win over Texas, and uh, they Joey McGuire followed up that that appearance on the on the podcast uh, with a loss to, to Kansas State. Then we had Jalen Daniels on last week. And this is the one I feel the worst about. We had oh, Jalen Daniels on the podcast. Couldn't have been nicer to make time for us. Uh, really enjoyed the conversation. And uh, not only did Kansas lose to TCU, but Jalen Daniels got injured. And that, that for me, Sam, that's where it's it, now, now we've gone too far. If we're hurting people, now it's gone too far. And so I, I have to – I really hope nothing happens to Max Duggan. We probably should have disclosed this to his SID while we Mark Cohen while we were setting this up. That's probably <laughs> regrettable on our on our end here. Uh, we got I think we've got to really rethink things if Oklahoma State wins this weekend. Um, how do you feel about this? And like what can we like do we just need to start booking people on bye weeks? Like what do we need maybe. to start doing to that, break this? That's potential. We could definitely book if TCU loses this week. Yeah, I, I'm going to feel really, really. Do we need to pick like about... TV personalities or people Maybe. that have no skin in the game? Like, what do we have to yeah. do? Yeah, yeah, I think so. We're going to have to do that. Uh, we, we're going to have to strategize because now that you put this out in the air, we, we may have we may get some people turning us down for interview requests. <laughs> We've been very <laughs> successful in getting most of the people we wanted on, and. And I don't think I, we we're take not, too much of their time. I mean, hopefully we're not actually, uh, you know, doing anything to mess their week up. I, I would gosh, hope. I, ho- I hope not. But it, it is, uh, it's very troubling. Uh, and I, I remember as soon as I, I think it was either Saturday night or Sunday, I remember I texted you and I was like, oh gosh, I just realized we're now 0-5 for our guests on the podcast. And that's not, that is not good. And so I'm very concerned about this. So here, th- here's the other way we could look at it. Okay. There's, there's, there's always multiple ways to look at it. Do we like like let's say Oklahoma State wins this weekend? Do we lean into this dark power that we have? <laughs> and gets and do we start on. deciding <laughs> by who we invite on the podcast? Who we you know, or we start bringing people on the pod who we want to lose? Uh, is this is this gonna is this gonna affect the sports books? Is Vegas gonna start paying attention to this? They should be. Uh, they, they probably should be. The, the line should swing once this podcast posts on Oklahoma State <laughs> TCU. <laughs> There's no doubt. Uh, no, no. I, I don't mean, want any of this to happen. I want this to be broken this weekend. Is what I want to happen. I want Max Duggan to go out there and have a really good game. And right, I'm not uh, rooting against Oklahoma State. And, and no, it's no offense. I don't to Oklahoma want to play. We just no, 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 no. I, I, I loved watching Oklahoma State a couple weeks ago when I got to see them when they came to Waco. But I just want this to stop. That I want this to stop because, like you said, it's going to weigh on us. And 
I'm going to feel really, really badly. And I'm going to feel really skittish about inviting somebody next week to come on the pod. If, if this happens again. <laughs> yeah. What if we just have like Bruce Feldman on the podcast and then he like gets in a car crash a few days later. You know what I mean? Like, I, oh I don't God, want to do this terrible to, to say, what is, I, I don't, oh don't want to, I don't want to spread this to anybody else. We have to pick oh. like the most harmless guest possible, you know? Oh, that is just, Max, I don't even like the juju that you're putting out there right now. It's very troubling. I'm not saying that's going to happen. Oh, gosh. Maybe we got to take a break on guests. If uh, Maybe we do. Maybe we do. But then they have to listen to us. Yeah, then we the got to talk time. more. And, and I, yeah. I personally, I don't think anybody's looking for that. <laughs> I don't think so either. <laughs> uh uh, well, at least my if you, on, you get uh, more me. If you get me more me, it's going to be more of Texas. I'm going to start. I'm going to start talking about UTSA. Meet me. Uh, I'm going to start just, talking more gonna about. Run, we're going to start running through Sam Houston updates and Tarleton right. updates and everything. We're just going to Rice. Rice is three and two right now. Okay, won their conference opener. So yeah, we're going to. If we don't have guests, we're going to get more me talking. We're going to make a run at Dave Campbell's with the just the most in the weeds Texas podcast you could have. Yeah, that's right. That's well, right. Hey, good news. My run your pool curses got broken this week. Finally. Yeah, you actually you dominated me pretty badly this week. 17 and 12. I don't look at it that way. I just look at me trying to trying to catch up to the, you know, I'm not even in the top 50 here. I got, I got no, to do. I am barely. <laughs> I am barely. 50. So I went you went 17 and 12 last week. 136 and 20 overall and i went 12 and 17 the exact opposite is you and i'm 138 and 118 overall so you are only two games behind me at this point so you are quickly narrowing catching the up. gap catching up so run your pool.com andy staple show pick em group come pick and do better than us hey if anyone's listening to this podcast and they want to be on the show next week because they're not superstitious <laughs> and they want to help us break it just just let us know reach out please do Please do. We're gonna have to. We're gonna just have to have beat writers on. That, that may be the move. Just start yeah. going to beat writers because maybe so. I will feel less guilty if it's a beat writer. Yeah, I and you know our best wishes to Jalen. Te- I don't think our podcast losers. did anything to him, but I do no. feel I do feel bad about that. Yeah, I'm really shocked that you did ask Max about that. But because <laughs> if he loses, he's gonna he's gonna watch him. I'm gonna get a message from either Max or Mark. If they lose this weekend, Mark, Mark Cohen Texas is just saying never again, no more interviews, at least not for the podcast. Uh, but yeah, so go Respect TCU, go Frogs. no interviews. <laughs> Good luck TCU this weekend. Big game at the Carter. Thanks for listening. As always, make sure you follow the Andy Staple show and friends feed on Apple podcast. You can also subscribe to the Andy Staple show on YouTube. Andy and Ari Wasserman regularly, regularly do their show from there live and Special guest interviews can be found there as well, including this one. Our interview with Max Duggan will be posted on our YouTube channel on the Andy Staples Show. So please go check that out. Thanks again for listening, and we'll talk to you next week.